This is Create the Next from Pro CFO Partners, where every week we explore strategies and ideas for financial management and growth to help today's businesses put their financial picture in context. Welcome back to Create the Next. I'm Chris Bentliff. Very excited today to talk to Howard Nagelberg, Pro CFO, CFO, one of the principals over here. And um, Howard, we're talking today about building an efficient organization in the services sector. And I'm looking forward to getting into your thoughts on this. But one of the things that I find is true, tell me if you agree, sometimes um, inefficiency is insidious. We don't even realize it's happening. And if, if somebody said, are you running an inefficient operation? We might have a vague idea. What are some of the symptoms that I might be experiencing that will tell me you're running into inefficiencies and you need to address it, even if you don't necessarily have the language to articulate where your inefficiencies are? Okay. Loaded question. And thanks for having me, Chris. <laughs> um, you know, the uh, inefficiencies can pop out uh, a few ways and over different uh, timelines. One is uh, if your team that's working on the project uh, says, I need more help, I need more help, I need more help. You know, maybe that's not the case. Um, you could go to the technical side and see, you know, for those companies that use um, time tracking systems, et cetera, et cetera, seeing how people are um, utilizing their time or not utilizing their time. Again, there's a whole, you could spend eons talking about timesheets and the accuracy thereof. Uh, but that's an, another barometer. And um, those will be intermediate uh, measures. Uh, <laughs> but uh, when it comes right down to it, it could just be a profitability. The problem with waiting for that is it's too late. You can you can fix things, but you can't ever make it up in time, right? Uh, the money's already overspent. Uh, so you have to be on it. Um, I used to say, you know, in the times long before hybrid work models, um, walk the halls, see if people are busy. Um, if they're not, then the overall efficiency of the organization has probably declined over time. Interesting. A lot of, um, I guess, a lot of sort of cultural things is is what I feel like you're touching on there. Uh, are you in touch? Are you communicating? Is your team communicating? Do they understand each other? Do they understand what needs to be done? Um, these aspects that have to do with, uh, I guess, some levels of uh, organizational transparency and understanding one another. Let's get into some of these ideas that you have specifically on, okay, so I might be bump bumping into some of this stuff, or I want to improve regardless of what my station is, regardless of kind of where my situation is, what are some ways that we can start to build efficiencies? Well, uh, I've spent the uh, first third of my career uh, was in manufacturing and the second two thirds was uh, in the services sector, mm -hmm. um, advertising, uh, where you're providing services for clients. You're not making widgets, so to speak. Yeah. Um, tying back to your question about efficiencies, um, I used to say, you build pyramids, you know, think of an ice cream cone. It's got to be narrower at the top than at the bottom, the top part of the ice cream cone. Um, in order to support your clients, you might need to give them a, let's say, I hate to get hung up in titles, but a high level person, maybe it's a VP person, uh, VP level person. Uh, and they're the ones providing the strategy. 
Okay, but you probably only need one of those persons um, or a portion of a person for each client. Then you have to build the next layer. Okay, maybe two, three people, depending upon the size of the clients. And those people are kind of the combination of supporting the strategy of the lead person and executing themselves. And then in some cases, facilitating other departments, other disciplines, or maybe there's even another layer of expertise, or maybe not expertise, just call them grinders, mm. the do the real doers. So you need to have that pyramid structure uh, to be efficient and to be profitable. Um, organizations grow best when they can grow their people. So having a couple of levels involved in every single project, while not overkill and over-servicing, gives people a chance to learn and grow. And uh, if people are happy, you're going to have you're going to reduce your turnover. Uh, you're going to not have to worry about constantly training people, which would hurt your inefficient your efficiencies, uh, and it's going to enhance your profitability. So you know, constantly monitoring that um, is a good way to uh, ensure profitability and um, efficiency. This is great advice. It also uh, spreads the relationship wealth. You know, from how many times have we seen or or have we experienced where a client's key contact leaves or the position changes or whatever, and the whole sort of relationship dissolves in some way or, or loses strength because there weren't enough people. It's the three wide and three deep sort of analogy. If, 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 if listeners, if, if you've heard that, I think you've got some really strong advice there. How important is it for me to have clear, distinctive roles for each of those maybe tiers? How important is it that We've articulated internally. This is where you. This is where you hand the ball off. You're no longer involved here, but you're really involved here. Yeah, uh, you want to have a plan. Um, and while you don't want to over-service the client, of course, you want to show great work and give them the staff that they need. When you look at things internally, uh, you have to make sure that people are being utilized. I said it earlier, but if a specific client can't afford five full-time equivalents. For the duration of the project, whether it be a month, a year, or whatever, well, maybe they need three to five people. Well, then you have to kind of dive into it and say, okay, I need two-thirds of Bob on this project and half of Sally, and then find something else for Sally and Bob to do. Um, because having them sit around, again, idle time is not productive time. Uh, so you need to really generate company staffing plans. Um certainly annually, if not quarterly or monthly, because uh, projects will also hit slower times. So you need to shuffle people around. Uh, again, you want to service your client. You want to make sure that getting the value because that's going to have, that's what's going to have them uh, come back continually. This is, uh, resource, I, planning is resource planning is key. And, uh, you know, you don't want to get, uh, what do I want to call it? Uh, uh, paralyzed by uh, analysis, per, uh, excuse me, analysis paralysis, but it's something you have to monitor. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be, yes, it could be out of the finance function, but it could just be the team lead. Someone's got to do it and someone's got to check that uh, on a uh, interim basis. You know, um, uh, monthly might be burdensome, but you got to look at it at least every other month. Create the Next is brought to you by Pro CFO Partners, who believe every business deserves to work with an expert CFO to guide its success. 
ProCFO partners are expert financial officers, networked across industries, verticals, specializations, and situations. Fulfilling the role of a part-time CFO with all-time commitment, ProCFO Partners utilizes the innovative and exclusive FGC Financial Flywheel as a framework that creates momentum to drive your financial functions for sustainable success. Visit ProCFOPartners.com to explore how we can implement a systematic and scalable financial system to help you achieve your goal. ProCFOPartners.com You know, I find, I love that you brought this utilization up. In my experience, that is a space, especially in smaller organizations, where that is poorly tracked, um, poorly understood why it should be tracked. It's vague. Um what does it mean to utilize this person? What does it mean? When is it billable hours? And when is it overhead? All these sorts of things. And there's tons and tons of tools out there, everybody, software wow. things and all the stuff that you can help people track or whatever. But how do I build, uh, give me like two points here of how do I kind of build a culture of sort of optimized utilization? How do I get my team to be thinking, okay, I'm I got idle time. I'm going to get involved now with this. You know, we've all heard of Google's 20% thing back in the day, which was spend 20% of your time doing something amazing and building building something cool because that's what you're good at. How do we kind of, uh, you know, cultivate that inside of our organizations where utilization is concerned? Do you have some advice? Well, without getting too financial about it, you have to explain to people because um, we all, you know, know, especially in the service sector, you have people who are not finance people. Uh, you have to explain to them that being busy is not job justification. It's it's the reality. And if the company doesn't stay busy, it doesn't have to be a sweatshop. Uh, it's going to, in the long run, uh, hurt profitability. It's going to hurt morale. It's not fun sitting around and uh, twiddling your thumbs. Uh, it becomes boring. And then people are not like their job. Then either they or their coworkers are going to start looking and leaving. Now you have turnover. That becomes expensive. So it's, I know, everybody's best interest to just stay busy. And if you're not, raise your hand and say, hey, supervisor, or walk down the hall. And, you know, I, I, again, I use old-fashioned terms, walk down the hall. I know <laughs> I kind of screws that up a bit. Uh, but make it known that you have some capacity. What are some other ways? that I should be paying attention to building efficiencies? Well, again, in a uh, services organization, your largest cost is going to be your labor. So if you have that in line, efficient, um, low turnover, uh, then you have to look at the next largest cost. It's likely to be um, your things that are related to payroll costs. Look, you can't do anything about payroll taxes, but what about those benefits, Uh, whether it be 401k plan or healthcare? Be sure to review those at least annually. Uh, first of all, you want to find out if there's better alternatives out there, whether it be cheaper or just richer for the same price, a better benefit, because um, the time to change those plans takes some time. So the next thing is uh, looking at your controllable uh, expenses uh, related to your uh, workforce. The next, <laughs> again, uh, traditionally, I would say it would be rent. Look, that's probably changing, or maybe it now needs to change. You know, you might have too much office space now. Maybe you used to have, you know, a 50-person organization, but now you're lucky if you see 30% of the workforce on any given day. Well, look to shrink that. Um, Again, take some time, um, but uh, work on that. And 
if you're just starting out or you're expanding, um, always be realistic with your rent, okay? I always say, if your client wants you to have the view of Central Park, you don't want that client because mm-hmm. that means they're valuing you and your sexy furniture more than your work. Okay. So yes, it needs to be beautiful. It needs to be comfortable for both your clients and your employees to the extent anybody's in their office these days, but keep it under control. It becomes a big commitment and it's usually your next um, biggest cost. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention uh, relative to labor is freelance. Okay. You might have a surge. And you're not ready to make the commitment to hire three more people. And maybe you shouldn't. You have to monitor that they're staying busy. Because if they're not, that's truly throwing money out the door. And it's very easy for the people who have brought in these freelancers to say, yeah, it's a little slow this week, but it's going to pick up next week. Hold them to the wall on that. And if they can't prove to you that it's going to be next week, let the freelancer go and they're going to scream, oh, we won't get them back. You won't get them back. You know what? There's going to be another freelance available. I know I'm oversimplifying it. What I'm trying to drill down on is when you bring in a freelancer, and they're great, but time flies, and every hour that goes by is are more dollars out the door. So keep that under control. As far as the rest of the expense side, um, focus on the, the bigger item. Don't company. Um, control your costs up front. Set some annual budgets. If not monthly or quarterly, that could be too much for your organization. Grant authority and say to your respective department heads, you know what? You have X amount of money to spend on uh, internal lunches or whatever it is, but do it and stick to it. Mm. The way expenses are just, you know, it's the old, oh, what's 20 bucks a week? Well, you know, 20 bucks a week at the end, I'm I'm going more towards a household income. Yeah, what's 20 bucks a week? You know, at the end of the year, it's $1,000. So you could do that at any level. Um, Money leaks. So you just got to um, watch it. But the time to watch is up front. This is... um... Software Software systems will tell you everything after the fact. Now you're spending more labor analyzing it. The way to control it is to control it up front before it gets spent. Yeah, I'm sorry, Chris. No, that's great advice. And again, it connects to this sort of culture of efficiency. Like this is stuff that if you haven't worked out, it's not going to like solve itself on accident. You have to pay attention to it. And I love this guidance and, and this sort of specific insight and advice that you're sharing with us. Uh, as we sort of, you know, reach the end of our conversation, it connects some dots for me how I think a lot of service organizations don't necessarily understand how deeply connected efficiency is to profitability. And they're constantly thinking, uh, get more clients, get more revenue, get more revenue. Therefore, we will get more uh, profit instead of thinking, improve these processes, optimize this, remove this, uh, eliminate that stuff that isn't hard to eliminate if you're just being smart and then profitability will increase. Talk to me just a little bit about that. Yeah. Uh, well, nothing wrong with increasing your revenue. <laughs> no, no, no. All those things are good. Um, Do those things. <laughs> but um, I would say from that perspective, you don't want to ever undercut your value. Don't be afraid to price your product fairly, but with the right intended profit margin. 
Okay, if you discount, it's very hard to climb out from under it. Yeah, you could throw a bone. Probably better to throw something extra in as opposed to changing the price. Okay, um, your clients are going to respect your work uh, if it's great work. And a, a price discount is going to only wow them for the millisecond that they sign that estimate. Okay, what will wow them more is better work. So keep your prices up there, again, whether it's on an hourly basis or a project-by-project basis, because, again, it's hard to reverse. And then if it becomes an ongoing client, they're going to point to, hey, you know, you did the same project last year and it was 30% less. Well, now you're stuck. Okay, so be careful of that. Um, You have to do your homework up front and build each team, each project, correctly at the front you know on a a household basis um or a personal income basis company you know experts say treat your 401k um and i'm talking from the employee perspective as an expense take it out of your paycheck put it to the side and then it'll be there as opposed to seeing what's left over the same thing is true when you price your projects look at your labor costs look at your overhead put in a profit margin and stick to it don't just say, well, the client's not going to accept it or whatever. If they balk at it and you need to have a discussion, that's fine. Doesn't mean you have to be, pardon me, a pig about it, but don't be afraid of it. Um, don't fall into the trap of constantly putting your project out there at lower margins because down the road, you end up kicking yourself. Uh, look at your staffing levels and keep your um, labor efficiencies there. and. You'll make money and your clients will keep coming back because it'll be a healthy environment. You'll be able to provide good services uh, with a healthy organization. This has all been such great advice, Howard. And uh, I think I want to, I want to have, I want to continue our discussion in, in another episode specifically around this idea of pricing. I think it's key. I think it's chronically um, I think uh, too many service organizations chronically underprice. Uh, because of fear or because of this or the other thing, or they just want to win the business, as you said. And, and often it'll be like, let's win the business and we'll figure out how to raise the price on the next one or something. Let's talk about it in another episode. But this right. one has been fantastic for some actionable, <laughs> practical advice on increasing efficiencies. Thank you. Take care, Howard. It's been great to talk to you. Thanks, David and Chris. Thanks for listening. And a special thanks to our subscribers. Consider becoming one today. Visit ProCFOPartners.com and learn how we can help you build a framework for financial management and growth.